This is Mayo Clinic Docs, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chetka, a general internist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Musculoskeletal pain is extremely common, especially as our patients become older. Those of us who have a primary care practice commonly see patients with tendinous injury or inflammation, meniscal tears, and osteoarthritis. Unfortunately, our treatment options have been limited and may include watchful waiting, hoping for improvement, anti-inflammatory medications, steroid injections, or physical therapy. When severe, some patients benefit from joint replacements. However, until our patient reaches the time to consider joint replacement, our efforts to help our patients often leave much to be desired. A relatively new treatment approach has appeared in the past decade, musculoskeletal regenerative medicine. But does the research back up the numerous claims of benefit? We're gonna get the true current and future potential of regenerative medicine for musculoskeletal problems from Dr. Shane Shapiro, a sports medicine physician in the Department of Orthopedics at the Mayo Clinic. Shane, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. Let's uh, talk about this interesting problem. In musculoskeletal medicine, what challenges do you see for the current standard of care medical approaches that may not completely address our patient's care? Well, you certainly highlighted part of that in your introduction there uh, very nicely. Most of what we're treating on a regular basis are chronic degenerative conditions. Uh, a great example of the challenge in, in treating those chronic degenerative conditions like take osteoarthritis, for example, is that our initial management of knee arthritis symptoms utilizes that conservative of care that, that you mentioned. And those treatments are actually quite good, but the long-term efficacy of those treatments is somewhat poor. And so things like NSAIDs, physical therapy, steroid injections, they can become ineffective over time. And then in, in late-stage arthritis, as you mentioned, arthroplasty may be considered for patients with severe pain and, and disability. And, and these surgeries also have excellent outcomes. However, a treatment gap exists for those patients that do have symptomatic knee arthritis that are unresponsive to conservative care, but not yet ready to undergo or not an appropriate candidate for more invasive surgical procedures like arthroplasty. And as a result, millions of patients may linger in what we're calling the arthritis treatment gap, which that treatment gap can extend 20 years through the majority of the younger osteoarthritis patients' adult life. So if you do develop symptoms in your early 40s, you could spend decades with those symptoms until you're a more appropriate candidate for arthroplasty. And this protracted period will include debilitating pain, uh, reduced quality of life, and significant financial burden sometimes too. So as a result, there's a great need for safe, effective, and cost-effective treatment options for patients with moderate to severe osteoarthritis and, and something that will enjoy high patient acceptance. That's what we're on the hunt for. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's those patients with the moderate severity of problems that's the issue. You know, we've got the, and my practice has been mostly middle-aged men and uh, arthritis of the hip, uh, the knee. Uh, we've got non-steroidals, which, you know, I hate using long-term. Uh, they have so many potential adverse effects. Steroid injections work for a limited amount of time in some. 
but until they're ready for a joint replacement, I mean, these, these are age-related changes that are going to be with them for years. What types of regenerative products or therapies are you currently using so you can optimize these patient outcomes? So we like to consider this broad class of everything that we're working on in regenerative medicine as regenerative therapies, but not all regenerative therapies truly regenerate tissue. Some of them are going to treat the symptoms and manage pain while hopefully improving that quality of life. And so in order to optimize the patient's care, we're talking about what we like to now call first generation orthobiologics. So the use of biologically active agents for orthopedic disease. Platelet-rich plasma was our first experience with an injectable treatment made from the patient's own cells. And we originally trialed this to treat tendinopathies like lateral epicondylitis. And we have over 15 years of experience with this product and have now been able to adapt formulations of PRP to be used intraarticularly to treat osteoarthritis. And so there are now over 10 randomized controlled trials conducted over the last decade, providing evidence that PRP does improve the symptoms of osteoarthritis in a superior fashion to some of those conservative uh, standard of care treatments by comparison. So we make PRP from centrifugation of, of whole blood. We're able to separate out the major components of that blood and isolate the platelet fraction, which contains a large quantity of the body's growth factors. And as enthusiasm for stem cells grew, we began to hypothesize that we could perform a similar process to bone marrow, which would not only isolate the same desirable growth factors that the platelet-rich plasma has, but now also a cellular layer that contains the additional therapeutic potential of the stem cell. Now, that was some years ago that we hypothesized that and our understanding of that product, which we now call BMAC or bone marrow aspiration and concentration, our understanding has evolved. And most of us in the field think this is just a heterogeneous product consisting of numerous biologically active molecules, but unfortunately, precious few actual stem cells. So the studies have not yet been able to elucidate whether or not the stem cell, as it has been popularized, whether or not that's the true therapeutic agent in BMAC, or whether it's just this whole therapeutic soup of growth factors, so to speak, that provides the patient with a more favorable environment in the degenerated joint. And finally, there's some slightly newer procedures that also involve minimal manipulation of a patient's own fat tissue to create an injectable therapeutic, which has also demonstrated some nice outcomes in managing arthritic pain and also even some early success in rotator cuff disorders. So, you know, those three product made from blood, one made from bone marrow, and then one made from the patient's own fat, these are the foundational products of our novel orthobiologic toolkit, but we still have a long way to go to be utilizing these on a regular basis. There's still much that we have to learn about them. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say the majority of patients that I have with these joint pain have osteoarthritis and often of the knee. And they're often most interested and they have questions for me about stem cell injections for knee osteoarthritis. They've heard of 
heard of it being available. They may have had friends who've had it. Do we have good evidence that uh, this benefits patients? Well, the evidence is growing, I think, is the, the fairest way to put it. And what we have evidence for is the safety of this product, the patient's own bone marrow harvested and concentrated and, and returned back in the knee to try and Im improve the environment inside the knee. And good clinical trials have been performed. We conducted one of those trials at Mayo Clinic's Florida campus, and we like our outcomes. We had a nice responder rate of over about 75%, and patients did, did very well for a year, sometimes two years. And you know, a number of my patients, even five years down the road, are, are still doing quite well with that product. Still a very small number of patients, and we, we haven't really yet had the opportunity to stratify patients on the severity of their disease. And so you and I mentioned that treatment gap for younger patients with osteoarthritis. And, and, and when the osteoarthritis is mild to moderate, most conservative treatment options are gonna work reasonably well, whether it is a conventional standard of care or whether it's a stem cell injection. You know, and that means almost any treatment that we choose, uh, we should be able to help them with their, with their symptoms. And then, as we mentioned, for more severe cases, you're going to start talking to patients about knee replacement surgery. But for patients that, that don't want that and yet still have severe disease, that's really where we still have not yet been able to truly realize the uh, potential to regenerate cartilage yet in a severely arthritic disease. So patients know they have joint tissues that have deteriorated. Um, that includes cartilage and bone deterioration. And when that happens, their desire, and reasonably so, is to find a way to reverse this and regrow the degenerated cartilage. It's unfortunately a way too simplistic biologic approach, and, and we just can't do that yet. Stem cells can't do that yet. So utilizing any uh, medical therapy, let alone stem cell therapy, is only going to provide symptom management uh, at best for a defined period of time right now. And definitive management, or what we would call a cure for osteoarthritis in severe cases, still requires a joint replacement surgery. So this is the unfortunate nature of arthritic disease once it's reached a certain severity. But one of the conversations we had with patients, and I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this, is, well, there are a lot of diseases that we are able to manage chronically over time without surgery. And the big examples that I use for our patients are conditions like hypertension and hyperlipidemia, both of which we don't cure those either and oftentimes have to medicate patients with a, a pill that will lower the cholesterol or lower the blood pressure. And then most patients don't think they have high blood pressure anymore. But of course, you take that antihypertensive away from the patient and up goes the blood pressure again. Osteoarthritis can really be the same way. We can create therapeutic partnerships with our patients to manage their symptoms, sometimes with standard of care, sometimes with regenerative therapies. And patients can really do well for quite a long time once they're recognizing that we are doing something to manage the condition, even if we haven't yet been able to reverse it or cure it. And I think, as you said, most of the patients who are looking at these procedures are older patients, and they're used to chronic disease. As you mentioned, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, osteoporosis. So they're not used to cures. They are very comfortable with management. So I think they understand this. Now, you mentioned safety a little while ago. I've had 
fair number of patients who've had either platelet-rich plasma injections or stem cell injections. I don't recall any who've had any complications from that. I suppose you're putting a needle in a joint space, so the potential for infection is always there. But are there adverse effects to these procedures that patients could experience? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, we certainly think that cell products that are manufactured and processed in an appropriate manner, as you have mentioned, they appear overwhelmingly safe. From the patient, return back to the patient, we're not seeing uh, much in the way of complications from those procedures like PRP or like BMAC. And where we are seeing problems is on occasion with applications of cell therapy outside a practitioner's particular area of expertise or possibly utilizing products that haven't been packaged, transported, preserved, or even approved in the appropriate manner. And so there are numerous reports in, in both the lay press as well as the scientific literature of, of real harm that has come to patients from inappropriately performed stem cell procedures. And in our orthopedic practice, we have had to treat some patients who've had infections as a result of a contaminated stem cell product, you know, really devastating consequences. So it's important to recognize that the cell therapies are considered drugs and, and thus under the regulatory purview of the Food and Drug Administration. And there's a process by which the FDA approves novel biologic therapies and no off-the-shelf stem cell products have yet been approved for use in, in this country to treat orthopedic conditions. So the only approvals are stem cells to be used in stem cell transplants to treat hematologic malignancies. Now, contrast that with what we are now using, those first-generation orthobiologic therapies. These are cell therapies manufactured from patients' own cells and tissues that are minimally processed and in most cases just concentrated and then given directly back to the patient within the same procedure encounter. And so those same patient, same procedure therapies, those are allowed by the FDA under the practice of medicine and have overwhelmingly been shown to be safe for patients to treat orthopedic conditions. You know, I've seen um, multiple ads for small clinics that do nothing but inject PRP uh, stem cell for almost any type of musculoskeletal pain. Are they legitimate? Are they ahead of the research in terms of what they're doing? Have they done harm? to the reputation of true musculoskeletal regenerative medicine. I don't know if it's actually harming the reputation of musculoskeletal regenerative medicine as much as it is making it more challenging for patients to find good solutions to their orthopedic problems. We want to be able to discuss validated regenerative therapies with patients. The platform driving not only the hope, but also the hype of regenerative medicine is the stem cell. And my biggest concern with the explosion of the popularity of stem cells is the number of practices that now offer treatments sometimes for conditions that haven't been validated by clinical science just yet. And as a result, there's a significant amount of misinformation that can be circulating around the field about what stem cells can do and what they can't do when it comes to treating orthopedic conditions. So that's really where uh, counseling patients appropriately about the reality of their condition and also the scientific validity of treatments that we have available to us right now 
2020, 2021. Uh, that's what makes those counseling discussions so important. Well, what do you see for the future? What's on the horizon for regenerative medicine and musculoskeletal disease? We are just starting to scratch the surface with these, what we're calling the first generation orthobiologics. And we're already looking to how we can improve upon them. Mayo Clinic and Mayo Clinic Center for Regenerative Medicine is heavily invested in advancing the science of uh, not only biomanufacturing of cells at a large scale, but also in getting the next generation of therapies into clinical trials so that we can test them. Uh, and one terrific example of this is an orthopedic procedure that combines a patient's own deteriorated cartilage cells that we can sort of trim out through an arthroscopic surgery, and then we can recycle those deteriorated cartilage cells and mix them in the operating room with stem cells from a cell line that are manufactured and expanded in a lab. And that mixture of the patient's own cartilage cells mixed with stem cells can then be re-implanted into the knee in a, in a single surgery. And this is already in clinical trials, and it's a, a really interesting second-generation therapy, if you will, that builds upon the treatments that we currently have available to us and that we're currently using. So moving along with what we've learned from good clinical trials and from treating patients already with how we can make those products better is what will come next for patients. Mm -hmm. I think one of the major obstacles the patient needs to overcome in getting one of these treatments is the cost and the fact that insurance companies generally don't cover this. How close are we to have insurance companies covering some of these procedures? You mentioned that uh, PRP is giving some pretty good data showing the effectiveness of it. Do you see that on the horizon? Well, we've seen some very limited coverage thus far in those particular procedures, like you mentioned, PRP. There is some insurance coverage, and it's only because after 10 years of good clinical trials, we've been able to validate PRP, especially in its, in its use, uh, almost as a, a standard of care for treating osteoarthritis, at least as good as anything else. And so when you present regulators and insurers with the data to support its use, then you'll, you'll see more widespread acceptance. And one of the things that we need to do in order to make that happen is standardize our approach, make sure that the way I manufacture PRP is the way others in the field are manufacturing PRP. And then when it becomes a much more standardized operating procedure, then you'll see more widespread acceptance. Additionally, we're starting to see some large employers directly contract with providers to uh, provide orthobiologic treatments to their patients as an alternative to surgical intervention. So a lot of employers who would like to keep patients uh, working and not have to necessarily have the downtime for a surgery, these are, again, nice ways that we can manage certain conditions in the right patient population. And so I think when we narrow down our protocols better and, and find out who the right patients are that we should be treating, you'll start to see more widespread insurance adoption. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's conclude by asking you to summarize what we've discussed, maybe in two or three take-home points regarding musculoskeletal regenerative medicine. Sure. So, you, you know, number one, uh, the best treatment for any patient's orthopedic problem is never going to be a one-size-fits-all approach. And 
is best achieved through a shared decision-making by the patient and their provider. Number two, we have some exciting new orthobiologic approaches to offer patients for their orthopedic conditions. Not everybody will be best served by a novel regenerative therapy, but we're happy to have that discussion with patients to arrive at, at what the best treatment option is for them. And the best choice for, for any patient is to seek the care of uh, an expert in their particular condition. And then maybe that expert also has some additional experience with regenerative medicine that they can, that they can share with the patient. And that will always serve the patient well. We've been discussing musculoskeletal regenerative medicine with Dr. Shane Shapiro, a sports medicine physician at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Shane, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.